Welcome to Books and Authors with Carrie Barber, the podcast where we talk to authors about their new books. I'm your host, Carrie Barber. Today's book is The Little Brother by Victoria Patterson. The Little Brother is a novel based on the real-life gang rape case in Orange County, California, known as the Hadel case, that's H-A-I-D-L. The novel is an exploration of family dynamics, wealth and privilege, police corruption, and more. It's so masterfully done. I really recommend it to you all. And the novel is published by Counterpoint Press, and I'm thrilled that it brings the author, Victoria Patterson, back to Books and Authors today. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you just start by summarizing the Hadel case? Because I feel like, I mean, I'm here in the Northeast, and I didn't hear much about this case, really, but go ahead. Well, it, it, was, it took place in Newport Beach in 2002, and it just was a very scandalous case here because the son was um, one of the, part- the participants, or, or one of the culpr- culprits was the son of the assistant sheriff, who who was a self-made, very wealthy man who had sort of bought his position into becoming the, the assistant sheriff for Mike Corona, who was a family values sheriff, Christian, self-declared, self-proclaimed. And um, so there there was a videotape that these, these boys had taken of, of the girl and they had lost, they had gone to a party and lost the camera. And it was retrieved by someone at this party and brought to the police station and that's how they got caught and there were two trials where there was a ton of money thrown at the at the case and and they the boys got off on a mistrial the first time around and then the victim refused to back down and and then there was another trial and they they finally um were convicted and she she subsequently both uh, Gregory Hadel, the son of the sheriff, and the victim got into a lot of trouble with drugs and alcohol, and it just it just dragged on for years and years. And then 10 years later, the Jane Doe of the case decided to come forward and make her name public, and she, she'd sobered up, and so I got in touch with her. And she w- already had a book publisher and a lawyer, and she wanted to write about it. And so she thought at first that she had she could only write about it um, fictionally because she'd signed a non-disclosure agreement in her civil case, but then she found out that she could go ahead and write the her non-fictional version. But she she went ahead and gave me her blessing to write fictionally about the case because she agreed with me that there was more than one book in her story. And then I went ahead and and that's when I went forward with my novel. And she she did write her own nonfictional book as well. Wow. Has that come out yet? It has come out. And um, her name is Alyssa Kaplan. And um, she's she became a Christian. And it's it's more of a it's a uh, it's a really great book. But it's a a more of kind of a a Christian press. And um, it's called Still Room for Hope. Wow. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And. How was it to have a real life person? Did you talk to her very much or did you try to not talk to her much or how much influence did her real story have on your novel? Her well, after we talked, we talked to, we had a few very intense discussions and she actually warned me too. She you know, because she'd been terrorized by 
by um, the Hadel family and, and others with all the money and the power. And I mean, she'd barely, really been through it. So she said, are, are you sure you want to do this? Because you have a couple kids. And so, you know, and by that time, I'd already been, I'd been following the case for years and years. And because I write about that area, and I knew it was, you know, it was the ultimate Newport Beach story for, for me to write about. And so I was so deep, I knew I was going to write about it anyway. And um, and after we had those phone conversations and she gave me her blessing, we didn't communicate at all. And so I had free reign to go any direction that I wanted. And um, surprisingly, I went, went most likely because I have two teenage boys, I started thinking about what it, the family, the Hadel family, and how, how was it possible that, that boys would think that it's okay to do this and, and that side of it. And, um, and I knew she was doing her version. So I didn't focus on that end at all. I went the other direction. And then Don Hadel, the, the father of Gregory Hadel died. And after he died, I was not worried anymore about, you know, I felt like I had even more freedom to write whatever I wanted. And so I just kept moving in that direction. And, and, um, that's how the book came about, really. Why do you think this case captured people's attention so fully? And just to just to kind of recap in case, I mean, it was a gang rape, right? And it was a bunch of boys who videotaped the whole thing. And it was just so uh, depraved in the way they they really seemed to treat the girl as if she was not a human being. So why do you think that case was was so compelling for people? It was, yeah, it was a salacious, they had, they used a Snapple bottle, a lit cigarette, a pool cue, and a um, apple juice tin can on her. And, um, you know, no, the, the people who saw the videotape were destroyed by it. And, and I think because um, it was the son of the assistant sheriff, and then to have all that money and power thrown about and, um, and the fact that they would be able to get off on a mistrial with that first case. And and it just, she because she didn't back down, she's Alyssa, and she didn't accept money or, you know, all the threats. And they she was followed. It was much, it was just awful. She didn't, she never caved in. She had the strength and her family and the wherewithal to continue. Um, she was really sort of the thread that unraveled this um, alliance be- between um, Don Hadel and Mike Corona, and um, he ended up uh, wearing a t- wiretaping himself and and getting Mike Corona t- on tape to admit some things, and and everybody this flood of corruption in that area came out, and and Mike Corona, everybody sort of went to jail, and and I feel like um, you know, so it had politics and and money and power, and and also the perpetrators they lived in Rancho Cucamonga and including Alyssa and they came to Newport Beach to party on the weekends with Gregory Hadel's father so there was a class and race and all you know it had everything that you could imagine because because Cucamonga is kind of a low yeah it's still it's still up there but it's not like New, Newport Beach is you know the pinnacle or they really went after the Alyssa, the Jane Doe, and and labeled her as a slut, and and said that she, you know, was 
I mean, they just threw everything at her. And she was 16 years old at the time and a straight-A student and, um, you know, experimenting with alcohol for the first time probably and partying and... And so, um, you know, and, and experimenting with sex and, and so they, th they threw everything at her and her family. And so, and the, the, there was a, there were circumstances. So she, where they could really do that and, and, um, and slut shame her and, and people really bought into that. And so it was an awful, awful case, you know. And it was kind of the first one. I mean, there's been so many similar cases like that since then, subsequently. And now we have, because there was a videotape of it, and, and now we have Twitter and social media and all those other parts of it, you know. So I felt like it was the first, it was one of the, it was kind of of what to, what was going to come, you know, in terms of all this, um, the Steubenville and all the things that happened after have happened subsequently. So your book is based on that case, but it's obviously it's a fictionalized version. I fictionalized a great deal of it. I ended up just really fictionalizing it, and um, it it went, it just went in a different direction, and um, and surprised me the fact that I I wrote about the family of the rapist and the brothers and the father, and it became a totally different book than I thought I would write. And I thought it was such a great, as you said, you focus on these two brothers and your point of view character is even who's the, the little brother of the title, which I thought was just a great choice. Can you talk a little bit about why you chose to tell the story from his perspective? When I was investigating, I saw that uh, Gregory Hadel had an older brother and that he was named after the father. And he had left and, and never, you know, had left as soon as he turned 18 and gone to New York. And then you never heard about him and, anymore. And I started thinking, oh, my God, what if you, what if you were a brother? What if you, if you were the brother of the rapist? And then, uh, you know, I just felt around in the dark for a while and, and then realized, um, came up with even and knew that he would be the younger brother and that he, and what if not only were you the related to the rapist, but, but you had information or you were involved in some way or complicit in some way and you had to make a moral decision and, and, um, and it just kind of fell into place after groping around for a long time, trying to figure out what, how I was going to write it. And again, I think I'm sure because I have teenage boys, um, I, I would, then they were both on the football team at that time and their friends would be over and I'd be listening to them talking and, you know, driving them places and, and just wondering how does that happen? How does this happen with boys? And, and, um, it was very much on my mind, that side of it, of what is it about men and, and this culture that, that allows this to happen? And, um, and, and again, what if you were involved or invested in some way personally as a, as a man and you had to make a choice or you had to, had to decide something. And, and so that way, and that, that was how even was born. And I also, you know, know what it's like not to fit into a family and, and to be trying to figure out who you are. And so he was, you know, right around that age when you're, you're really trying to figure out who you are and what you want. And it's such a volatile time anyway. So to put all of that together and, and have them be siblings and, and close siblings and, making decisions at that time in their lives that will affect their entire life and how this can destroy a family, one one person, you know. I'm interested to hear so. how you 
kind of listened into your own sons and took maybe, the, I'm sure it wasn't exactly the dynamic between your sons, but how did the dynamic, how did your, having those two boys in your own house, how did that help you write these two brother characters? My sons are very close. So, and then I also have a brother and we were very close growing up. And I think all of that played into it. And um, my brother and I, when my parents divorced, they, one went with my, my brother went with my father and I stayed with my mom. And, and in the Hadel family, um, I know that one brother went with the dad and one stayed with the mom. So I imagined my own, you know, baggage into the story, I'm sure. And, and, you know, it's all a mix, but raising my sons and being a feminist and being, uh, very aware that I don't. I it's always been on my mind to raise them with sensitivity and and to have have sensitivity toward women and so <laughs> I'm sure if you ask them they would tell you that I bring it up and I talk about I'm always telling that talking about it with them and and so they really weren't models in that regard um, but in terms of thinking about especially the the way they related to their peers and watching them and and imagining things yes and and um watching and the d- dynamic between them as brothers and um yeah those all played into it for sure and just imagining and knowing what Newport Beach is like and and the environment there and reading about the Hadel case and and then during that time I read you know everything I could about gang rape and and all these case histories, and it really affected me. And I understood that this is really about men. You know, it's about how they relate to each other more than, and how how yeah, it's more about men and their dynamics between each other and power than it is about women at all. Do you think that's always true in a rape, or always in a gang rape, or just in this particular case? I think more so in a gang rape. It's really about this relation, this the dynamics between men. And I do believe that with rape, the woman isn't, she's less than human and for a man to be able to, to do that. I mean, he's not interested in her, in her at all. You have to really degrade a person to a, to a, such a point to be able to, to rape a person. So I think it's very much about um, power and, and the more I, I think or studied it, yeah, it's, it has so, it's little to do with with sex or attraction or any of those things. It's more, it's, it's a very, it's more to do with men and power and culture and our culture, the kind of culture that makes it okay, you know, or it does little to um, discourage rape. Do you think the public, I mean, I thought, I think the timing of your book is so interesting because it seems like sexual, like, like you mentioned, sexual assault is so much more in the news now. Do you feel like, the view of the public's view of rape is changing at all or in recent years? I wish it would change more. I don't, I, but I do think it's in the news and I think social media is really playing into it. But I think that, I think what my book, I hope is eat is feeding into that as well, because I think the truth is that, that um, we'd like to think that most of the men who rape aren't, aren't lunatics or, or um, sick aberrations and that, but they, that, and when the reality is that they're, they're brothers and sons and husbands and boyfriends and 
and they're participants in this same society that does little to discourage rape. And it's, it's tempting and very dangerous to categorize men and boys who rape as animals. Um, so someone I've heard, you know, in, in this discussion, rattling around about rape, about all the recent things that, that it couldn't be this person because this person is so charismatic and charming or, you know, in case, in the case of Bill Cosby, no, no, he couldn't do that. And, but the fact is that that these are the same, the very same men that we sh- we need to be talking about. Why why do th- are they doing this, and why is it not not acknowledged? They they aren't animals, or they're they're real. They're real people, and and there's something going on here that's allowing this to happen over and over again. And it's really the system is um, messed up right now still. It seems like that's, that's, I mean, I was thinking about that too, as I keep reading about the Bill Cosby situation and his alleged, I guess we still have to call them alleged rapes, but um, he, I think one of the most disturbing things about that case is that he was such a lovable father character. And I mean, you couldn't really pick somebody in the media who was sort of more well-loved and, and looked up to, you know, it it's just the more you hear about that story, the more alarming it is for a hundred different reasons. But it seems like, uh, I don't know, just, it's just interesting to hear you talk about how we sort of put rapists in one category and they're, they're not, it's not a separate category. It's just, uh, I don't know. Did you get any other insight into how rapists view their victims from your reading or how, how did you um, I, come up with that? No, but I, I understand. I, th- I really, I feel like the reason people often are side with the rapist or give the rapist the benefit of the doubt or all those things, I feel like that has, it's an easier, it's easier on the person. <laughs> Cause if you're going to take the victim seriously, you have to also take her pain and anguish and all this this seriously, you know, and so it's much easier to just push it away. And so I kind of understand that reaction more now. But um, as yeah, I think it's the it has a lot to do with with this with our society and and the rape culture and more so than than many, you know, people want to think about or it's very embedded in our culture. And also, it was interesting to me that these boys videotaped the assault in in your book. And um, it's sort of, you know, that's can be a good thing. And it could be a bad thing. I mean, obviously, it was terrible for the for them in terms of evidence. But it's that's another thing, as you said, you know, social media is sort of helping. But can you talk a bit about that trend of everyone photographing everything? Social media is sort of helping, but at the same time, it's also hurting because there's a lot of recent cases and victims who are shamed on on Twitter and and Facebook with photos. And and these girls, you know, at 16, you just want to be liked and you're just trying to figure out who you are. And and so with this, a lot of there's been these young women who have committed suicide over that. So um, which is, I think as much as the rape itself it's another form of it's 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 horrible for them and another you know with like the Jane Doe of of the Hadel case if you were to ask her i would i would think that she might say you know with the rape 
there was the rape, but then the the after part, the the being shamed in the media, that was worse than the rape itself in in many ways. So, and at the same time, at least we, with the social media and the, at least these things are coming out in the open and the men can't hide or pretend like th these things didn't happen or deny it. I mean, it's right there on, on with the photos and the, but it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Yes. Well, it's a fantastic book. I'm, I really recommend it to everyone. And it's so, I mean, this is sort of a dark discussion that we're having, but it's, it's such a great novel. And I really, I really recommend it to everyone. And I love how you took the boy, you know, took the brother, the little brother's perspective. And it was just really, really, really well done. And what are you working on now, if you don't mind saying? Oh, you know, I, I've been having tr some trouble <laughs> working on anything. So I'm, I've been trying to write some comedic fiction as a, I think because this book was so heavy that I, um, but I, I, at this point I'm a little bit flatlined. So we'll see what, what happens or what comes out. I understand that. All right. Well, we are going to wrap it up there, but this book is, thank you. Carrie. Oh, thank you so much for being on books and authors. <laughs> I really enjoy talking to you. And the book is called the little brother. It's published by counterpoint press. And thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon.